Well, good morning and happy 5th of July. That sounds weird because you're always saying the 4th, right? But happy 5th, I guess. But thank y'all for being here. I know that today is um, a big travel day. I know we've got a lot of our people that are on the road right now or, or on vacation right now. And I know that we're all needing to pray that we don't covet because that's exactly where we all want to be, right? How many of you just got back? How many of you just got back? Nobody? So y'all are all headed to vacation. Ben's pointing out somebody over there. Well, who's he pointing at, Ben? I, I can't. He said, right here. I don't know what he's saying. So we'll just, anyway. Oh, the walkers. Is that who he's pointing at? Okay. Joey's back there going, that's me. That's me. I just got back. Well, you ought to be refreshed. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Then you got to take a week off to survive from vacation. Hey, um, I want to start out this morning. Um, just by welcoming you, like I said again, and welcoming those for those who are still at home. Um, I know that there's some people that are under the weather that um, may not feel ready to come back yet, and that's okay. So thank God for the availability for us to stream online so that our church family can still stay connected. Um, but I want to start out today by kind of sharing a little bit about me, believe it or not. Um, I played college basketball for a little while. And first service, when I said that, they all laughed. <laughs> Jeez, I love you too. So anyway, now you're laughing. Why are you laughing? Anyway, however, but the thing you don't understand is when I was in college, I was about 6'3 and weighed like 225 and man, I was a beast. Okay, so I looked a lot different. I'm just kidding, I don't. Um, I was five foot seven, weighed 175 pounds and wore an eight and a half size shoe. That was just me, still me, gonna be me. However, I had a very good friend on the basketball team. His name was Matt. Needless to say, we looked a lot different, okay? Remember, I'm 5'7". This dude, no exaggeration, was 7'1". 7'1". Yeah, you're already laughing. Guess who I walked around campus with an awful lot? This dude that was 7'1". So needless to say, we drew some attention. People would look at us like we were strange. Well, we were. He was 7'1", I was 5'7". And so, but the thing is, is obviously by looking at us, you could almost tell who did what. Our roles were different on the basketball team. Obviously, he was the point guard and I was the post guy. All right, I was the one, say, I knew how many of you knew about basketball because you're laughing. Those who didn't laugh, you don't have a clue what a point guard or a post player is. That's okay, Chelsea, you, she... She's going, I don't know, don't make sense to me. They're all on the basketball team. But the thing about me and Matt, though we had different roles, though we looked entirely different, our mission was the same. And we were part of the same unit. We were part of the same team, okay? So as we looked different, we had different skills, we had different talents, we had different abilities. We had one common mission and that was to win and we were on the same team, okay? Now I got the bright idea one day um, for whatever reason, I was late to practice. I'm sure, you know, I was probably praying or something. Um, but I was late to practice. I walk into the locker room and the team had already gone to the gym to begin practice. And so I walked into the locker room and I was going back to my locker so I could get dressed for practice. And I looked and I walked past Matt's locker, the guy that was 7'1". Um, and keep in mind, this dude was like 7'1", probably weighed 275, wore a size 17 shoe. Literally one day I put my shoe on and put my shoe in his shoe. Literally, that's how big this foot was. So I get the bright idea. I walk through the locker room one day and I look and all of Matt's practice equipment's hanging in the locker. And I thought, this is gonna be entertaining. 
So I said, Matt's not at practice, so I'm just gonna wear his stuff. And so needless to say, I go over to his locker and I take his shorts out of his locker and I put them on. They were no longer shorts. They literally, no sarcasm at all, they came down to the top of my high tops. So I put those on and I was already laughing in there by myself and I was just having a great old time. Took his jersey, put his jersey on. You could no longer see my shorts. His jersey literally came down to my ankles. Then I put the shoe on. You can imagine. Turn, get the profile. I'm, I'm eight and a half, right? So 17, we're out to about twice the size of my shoe. So then I thought, okay, now I'm gonna go to practice. So I go up the stairs at North Georgia College. And if you've ever been to the old gym at North Georgia, you would come up to the top of the stairs and there was the double doors that went into the gym. And I looked and I could see through the glass door and Coach Dunn had the team all huddled together and they were getting ready, I guess, for their pre-practice talk, you know, very serious moment. So here's my opportunity. So I bust open the door and I go running into the gym and I said, hey coach, wait on me. And so I'm running it, dragging shoes, dragging, and all of a sudden it happened. I fell flat on my face. Needless to say, it completely hijacked the mood of practice that day. But the problem was this, and you'll see where we're going with this. The problem was this, the reason that I fell flat on my face is because I was attempting to wear something that didn't belong to me. I was attempting to wear something that had not been assigned to me. Therefore, it didn't fit. And so when we've been reading in 1 Corinthians, and this week we're in chapter 12, essentially, this is what Paul is going to address. There's a group of church people in Corinth who are attempting to wear, for lack of better words, they're attempting to wear something that was not assigned to them. They are attempting to wear something that doesn't belong to them. And this has absolutely caused chaos in the church. And so what Paul is going to do now is he starts out by reminding them, hey, where you've gotten this wrong is what's going on is you are more concerned about pursuing a spiritual gift than you are the spiritual giver. And he said, that's where you've missed it. You've got in your mind what you want to do. You've got in your mind what you see that, that looks spiritual, that looks great, and you want that. But what we find out is their heart is what is wrong. The reason that they wanted a specific spiritual gift is so that they could receive the honor, so that they could receive the glory, and so that they could like earn their credibility amongst their church family. But what he starts out and wants them to understand is he says, look, you're all part of the church team. You're all part of the same team, but the problem is you're pursuing the wrong thing. You're pursuing specific spiritual gifts. You're pursuing the gifts more than you are the giver. And so now what Paul's gonna do in chapter 12 is he's gonna to try to gather order. He's gonna try to order all of this back in line. And we see that in verse one. Look in chapter 12, verse one of 1 Corinthians. Paul writes here, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I do not, I do not want you to be unaware. And he said, look, I'm about to teach you about spiritual gifts. I'm about to remind you the importance and the role of spiritual gifts. But he starts out by saying, but we gotta remember, you're all on the same team. And so here we see him go right back into where we left off last week. He goes in and talks about unity. Look with me in verses 12 through 13. Paul starts here and he says, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, 
And all of the members are the same body, though they are many. Are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink with one spirit. And so we see here that he's going right back to where he left off in chapter 11, where he's reestablishing the importance of a unity as the church. But what he's quickly to remind them of is what is uniting you is not a spiritual gift, not, not whether you're Greek or Jew, not what side of the tracks you come from, not how wealthy your family is, but what unites you is the Holy Spirit of God. That's it. That is what unites you. It is the Spirit of God that brings you all. And he goes into talks about the human body. So I think I like Paul because he puts things on their level where they could better understand exactly what he was trying to say. And in verses 14 through 26, we see that, that Paul specifically walks through the characteristics of the human body, one human body, but he gets, begins to talk about the ears, the nose, the eyes, the hands, the feet. And he talks about how Everything plays a very vital role in that body being able to function the way that it was created to function. And so he's just helping them to understand that, look, it doesn't matter what body part you are, but you all play a role and every part is of the same significance. Because what's going on is the church at Corinth has kind of begun to bicker and they begin to argue and they've even declared that some of the spiritual gifts are less honorable and then they say, but you have this one, so therefore that one's of abundant honor. So they've categorized spiritual gifts. And they're saying, well, that, you must be more spiritual than me because you have this gift. But you know what? I really want that gift because you get a lot more attention than me. You get the platform. I don't. You get this or you get that. And so they're almost, in a sense, jockeying for position because they are desiring specific spiritual gifts for themselves. And that's where Paul has to remind them, look, it's not about your honor, but it's about his honor. It's about his glory. And so we gotta understand that first is that God gives us spiritual gifts, not for our honor, not so that we will be advertised, but so that the almighty God will be advertised so that he will receive the honor and the glory. So in a nutshell, what we see going on in chapter 12 is Paul is reminding them, hey, you're part of the same team. You're unified by one spirit. You're all part of the same body. You have different roles. But in order for that body to function in the way that it was created, it is adamant. It is very important that every single one of you walk in the gifting that God has given you. That is the way the body is going to thrive. When the eye is being an eye, when the ear is being an ear, when the nose is being a nose, the only way it's going to thrive is if you are walking in the giftedness, in the spiritual gift that God has given you. That's the only way that the body of Christ, the only way the church will thrive or reach the potential that God has for it. So we see that in a nutshell, but then what I love is Paul goes on and he, he begins to break down all of these spiritual gifts. And we, what's interesting is when you read a lot of Paul's writing, he, he talks about spiritual giftness. He talks about the gifts that come from the spirit. But what's even more interesting is that we kind of get the, the idea that he's not necessarily emphasizing specific spiritual gifts and how everybody's different with the gifting that they have, 
But what he's very, very adamant about is making sure that we understand what we all have in common. He's more focused on what we all have in common rather than how we are different. And so we see that even in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 8 through 10. Um, we won't read it word for word, but we see here, here's a list of spiritual gifts. He said, for one, the word of wisdom, for another, the word of knowledge. Um, but again, they're the same spirit. One has faith. Another has the gift of healing. Another has the affecting of miracles. Another prophecy. Another distinguishing of the spirits. Another is of various kinds of tongues. And another is the interpretation of tongues. And then we go on and look in verse 28, and he kind of goes into another list. He says, and God has appointed in the church apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, the gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. And so we see there, there's another list. However, what's interesting is the list he shares in verse 28 is not identical to the verse or the, the, the list that he shares in the previous verses. And so even when we see some more places where Paul addresses spiritual gifts, in chapter four of Ephesians, it's another list. Then we look on in to the book of Romans chapter 12 and we see another list. But what we can gather is that all of these lists, none of them are identical. Yes, there's some overlap. Yes, there's some repeat. But what we can gather by reading all of that information is, is Paul's focus is not so much on the specific spiritual gift but what he's focused on is what everyone has in common. Does that make sense? It's not necessarily about, let's don't focus on what makes us all different. Let's focus on what we all have in common, okay? So keep looking with me. And, and this is where I love, he says, he begins to, to switch the focus just a little bit, if you would. He says, they're not identical lists, but he, what he's gonna focus on now is the manifestation of those gifts, those gifts coming to life, those gifts is what he's gonna remind them that we all have in common is the manifestation of the spirit. Look with me in chapter or verse four through seven of chapter 12. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all these things in persons. Verse seven, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. He declares there that each one and who he's calling out here is all the believers of the church. He said, if you are a believer in Christ, if you are a member of the big C church, then here's what we all have in common. He says, the one thing that you all have in common, no matter what your spiritual gift is, no matter what makes you different from the person who's sitting on your right or your left, the one thing that we all have in common is that we all have the manifestation of the spirit living in us. Every single one of us as believers have the manifestation of the spirit. So you sitting there this morning, if you are a follower in Jesus Christ, you have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit living in you. And some of you are going, well, what in the world is the manifestation? Here's the English definition of manifestation. Manifestation is the event or the action or the object that clearly shows or something that is embodied. Basically, it's coming to life what is embodied inside of us. Here's a very sick analogy. Okay, you ready for this? 
Some of you are going to go think, oh God, I shook his hand just a minute ago. But anyway, remember I talked about basketball just a moment ago. Well, I've played basketball since I was third grade, I guess. And all the way through, I graduated in college. But I remember before every single basketball game, I would absolutely be a nervous wreck. I would have so much anxiety built up inside of me. I would be so nervous. I would just be so excited. But because of the emotion that I was embodying, do you know how I responded to that? A knot on my fingernails. And some of you are going, oh, that is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen in my life. And we all know what happens when you run out of fingernails. Guess what you start doing? Somebody answer it because you know you do it. You chew on the skin beside your fingernail. And I know that's gross. I know that's disgusting. And look, I still do it, okay? If you see me over here before service on Sundays, I'm a nervous wreck about coming up here. So (laughs) I'm doing it again. However, what that action is exposing is the very thing that I am embodying within me. I'm a nervous wreck. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, there's parts of me that's fearful. And the way that I respond, the way that that anxiety, the way that that nervousness is manifested is because I begin chewing on my fingernails. And so that is what the manifestation looks like. It is an outward expression of what is going on on the inside. So I know that's a disgusting analogy, but it makes sense to my little mind. So I hope it does yours. But here's what I want you to see this morning, that if you are a follower of Christ, every one of you have the spirit of an almighty God living in you that has nothing other than the desire to reveal himself to a lost and a dying world through your actions. Through your actions, the spirit is wanting to come to life in and through by what you do. He wants to be set free. He wants to be ready to move. He wants the freedom so that people can see the evidence of Christ in our lives. Now look, for a lost world to look at a believer, even for other believers to look at other believers, We're not gonna be able to identify the spirit of God living in someone because of some fog that follows them around everywhere. And we can look and say, oh, they're so super spiritual. I just see a glow about them. That's not what it is. People will know the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in us by the way we live, by what we are exercising. And when we are exercising what God has gifted us to do, this is when people see the manifestation of the spirit through us. That is how that works, is the manifestation comes to life by our actions. But here's what I want you to get. It's all the same spirit. It's all the same spirit. And we're gonna go into a little bit more detail, but I know I've been talking about cutting grass a lot lately. I know that's something that Brock and Cooper and I do on Fridays. And I was, again, sitting on a lawnmower the other day and. God gave me this revelation. Here said, here's what it looks like. This is what the same spirit empowering the, a follower of Christ looks like. You see, there's two pieces of equipment that we use on Fridays when we cut. We use a weed eater and we use a blower. That's just two of the pieces of equipment we use. Now, I was very proud of them on Friday because my mixed gas can, you know, the oil and gas mix, it was out. And so I told the boys, I said, look, I said, you know how to do this? So I gave them a little green can of mix and they went and did it on their own. Is that not, I think y'all need to give them a round of applause for that. They figured it out, praise the Lord. 
But here's the point. They mixed it up into one gas can. I took that gas can and I filled this weed eater up. I primed it up, pulled the cord, and guess what? The fuel that was put in it fueled it to do what it was created to do. It was created to be a weed eater. So now once it had gas in it, it was ready to walk in what it was created to do. Now over here on the other side, we've got a leaf blower. The very same gas can, the very same content that we just put in the weed eater, I'm now gonna take it and put it in the blower. But guess what? I put the very same fuel in the blower that I've just put in the weed eater, but now what's happening is the blower, push the prime button a few times, pull the cord, and guess what? Because of what is fueling it, it is now able to operate in the calling that it was created to do. This was a leaf blower. Once it's fueled, it can be a blower. This is a weed eater. Once it's fueled, it can be a weed eater. But the same content went in both. The same fuel went in both. And here's the deal. No matter how bad this blower wants to weed eat, it ain't gonna happen. No matter how bad this weed eater wants to blow a back porch off, it ain't gonna happen because that's not what it was created to do. However, it was the same fuel that was giving each the ability to do what they were created to do. And you see what's going on in Corinth right now? What Paul is addressing, for lack of better words, you got a bunch of leaf blowers that's trying to be weed eaters. Does that make sense to you? Please say yes, because it does to me again. But you've got people who are pursuing something that they're not created to do because it's a heart issue. They're wanting to get credit for something because they see the other guy getting credit for it. They see the other girl getting credit for it. Well, I want that. I want the honor. I want the glory. I want the praise. So therefore, that's the gift that I want. And so what we see here is what Paul's got to get back to is he's got to get the church back to the place that it's not about the gift, but it's about the surrender. That's what it's all about is the surrender. Surrendering to the very same spirit. God, air bubble. Sorry. God, I, always, I can get in a serious mode and all of a sudden it's just hijacked. Anyway, but here's, here's where it gets a little slippery. Once the Holy Spirit comes to life in each and every single one of us, the Spirit of God reveals through us as believers what we're gifted to do. He reveals the gifting that he has given you but you see the way the, even us in our spiritual immaturity in the church, even the way the, the lost world looks at us, they can look at who has specific spiritual gifts and you can automatically look at them and in your mind, you're going, well, they're much more spiritual than me. They're much more spiritual than me. They've got more Jesus than I do. But that's not the case at all. Because if you remember, the spirit is the same, but the places of surrender is what is totally different. And so we have to keep in mind, and that's where we're gonna land right here in verse 11. Once the Spirit reveals what the gifting is, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody has more of Jesus or they have more of the Spirit or they have more of God. But what it does tell us is that it potentially can be that they're just more surrendered. So look with me in verse 11. 
This goes into talking about that identical spirit. Verse 11, Paul says, but one and the same spirit works all of these things, distributing them each one individually just as he wills. Who's it up to? It's up to him. It's not up to us. It's up to him. But what I like there is he says, but one and the same spirit works all these things. One and the same spirit works all of these things. So remember, no matter how bad a weed eater wants to be a blower, it ain't gonna happen because that's not what it was created to do. It's all up to the creator, number one. But number two is what we must understand is that it is about one and the same spirit. You see, at salvation, each and every single one of you as a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, when you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, when you asked God to save you, the same spirit that came and took over my life, the same spirit that came and dwelled in my heart is the very same spirit that came and took up residence in yours. Just because I'm up here doesn't mean that I'm more spiritual or that, that God shined his little favor on me a little bit more or that I have a little more spiritual emphasis in my life than you do. The bottom line is, is it says that it is one and the same spirit. We all have the same spirit, but we all have different spiritual gifts. And what this is simply saying is the identical spirit controls all of us if we will let it. And that identical spirit works in each and every single one of our lives if we will surrender to that. But what's heartbreaking is this is where a lot of times it gets so misinterpreted. Because what we just mentioned a moment ago, the Holy Spirit is the same. But for most of us, our surrender is just in different places. Our surrender is in different places. How many times have you looked at people in your life? You looked at people in your inner circle or if you've looked at people on TV or you've looked at people on the internet and you thought, man, they just got a lot more Jesus than I do. They've got a lot more, they're a lot more spiritual than I am. They've got a lot more of God than I do. Can I tell you that that is not the case at all? Because in most cases, what you could be seeing is not that they have more of Jesus, not that they have more of the spirit, but the bottom line is, is they could be more surrendered than you are. Look, I've dealt with it myself because you know why surrender to the spirit scares us is because we're not in control anymore. When we surrender to the, to the spirit of God manifesting itself, the spirit of God is living in each and every one of us as believers and he wants to erupt out of each and every one of us as believers. Not so that we can look good, so not so that we can get patted on the back, but so that his father can be given the glory. So that God can be given the glory. And so what we have to understand is that it's not about us having more of Jesus, but does Jesus have all of us? There's the question. It's not about, I need a little bit more of the spirit. No, the spirit needs a little bit more of you. I remember at 19 years old in Mount Vernon Baptist Church, I went up to an altar and I surrendered my call to ministry. I had no idea what that looked like. 
But you know what I did? That was when I was 19, and I spent the next 11 years running from that. I surrendered when I was 19, but you know what? As soon as I surrendered, I put that sucker right back in my pocket because I was afraid of what God was gonna call me to do. And it was not until a man named Greg Worley called me and asked me to be a middle school youth pastor. And you know what I did? I laughed. <laughs> I don't know nothing about being no youth pastor. Same thing with here. When I got the phone call from Chestnut Mountain, you wanna apply for the pastor? <laughs> to what? All I know is teenagers. I don't know anything about being a pastor. But you know what the problem was? Is I didn't have more of the spirit living in me. I didn't have more of Jesus than I did before. But the bottom line is, is I just became more surrendered. And it absolutely scared me to death because I wasn't in control anymore. And there's a lot of you this morning that you're in the same boat. You've got the spirit of God that is waiting to manifest himself in and through you with whatever your gifting is, but you're scared to death because you won't be in control anymore. You say, well, Brian, he could call me to, to go somewhere. He could call me to, to do this. He could call me to walk away from my, from my secure job. Hello. Praise God. But the bottom line is, is it's not about having more of Jesus but does he have all of you? When we're fully surrendered, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself in and through each and every one of us. He wants to erupt in our lives. You know, my prayer has been a little bit different today. I, you know, praise God, we had three people surrender their heart and their life to Christ last week. So guess what? They got filled. They got all of God last Sunday. Praise the Lord. And you're not very excited, but I am. <laughs> Jeez. So like I'm at a North Georgia basketball game. <laughs> anyway. But you know, my prayer this today for Sunday, this, this morning when I was up spending time with the Lord, I said, God, you know, there's people that are gonna be there this morning. That they've, they've been saved. They've asked you to be the Lord of their life but they've never fully surrendered. There's people in here that have a calling on your life. You have a, a giftedness. I don't know what it is. That's not my job to tell you what that is. But my question is, how many of you have never surrendered to the moving of the Holy Spirit so that that giftedness can be exposed? Is it gonna make you uncomfortable? Absolutely, it's gonna make you uncomfortable. But you know what my prayer is, is that you're absolutely miserable until you become uncomfortable. Because church, can you imagine what would happen if just for Chestnut Mountain Church, if we all got to a place of total surrender where we put our yes on the table and said, God, here's my life, do whatever you want to do with it. God, help me find that giftedness. Help me find what that is that you've called me to do. Help me find my spiritual gift, whether it's of leadership, whether it's of this or whether it's of that or whether it's who knows what. Again, that's not my job to reveal that to you, but that's the spirit of God's job. But remember, you have the manifestation of the spirit living in you and he wants to make himself evident through your life. But remember, the spirit's one and the same. 
And so I'm going to close with this kind of a visual. Again, you're thinking, man, y'all are really finding out how simple-minded this guy is. Here we are. This is an empty vessel who the Spirit of God wants to come and reside in, that he wants to live in, that he wants to control. The Holy Spirit has drawn us to salvation. We've surrendered our heart and our life to Christ. And in the moment of that salvation, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We are filled all the same, one in the same Spirit. It doesn't matter if you're up here, it doesn't matter if you're sitting there, but the same Spirit that lives in me is the same one that lives in my wife. One and the same, remember? Identical spirits. The same spirit that lives in me and my wife is the, the same spirit that lives in Josh. One and the same. The same spirit that lives in us three is the same spirit that lives in my kids who have trusted Christ as their savior. So in the moment of that salvation, in the moment of that place of surrender where we ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life, we are saved, we are sealed, and we are filled. It happens in a moment. But when we are being sealed by the presence of God, what happens is we are, the Bible says that we are sealed into the Father's hand. You're sealed into the Father's hand, but you are filled with one and the same Spirit, each and every one of us. And in the moment of that salvation, our heart's desire is when the sanctification process begins. And we say, God, I don't really understand this, but I know, I understand that there's a Spirit now living in me that I wanna surrender control to, but God, I, I want you to have your way in my life. And guess what begins to happen? The hand of God begins to shake us up a little bit. The hand of God begins to, remember what his heart is, is to mold us into the image of his son. And so the more the hand of God shakes us up, the more the spirit in us expands, the more the spirit in us stretches us, the more the spirit in us makes uncomfortable. And all of a sudden we get to that place where we've, we feel what God is calling us to do. And we're like, okay, God, I think I'm ready to surrender. God, go ahead and tell me what it is you want me to do. Go ahead. Oh. God, hold on, that made me a little uncomfortable. I didn't have control of where that just went. And so the hand of God gets control again. And he says, surrender. I've got a spirit living in you that wants to manifest itself. And all of a sudden we continue to go, okay, God, I'm ready, I'm ready. Oh no, God, you may call me to do, God, that's gonna make me a little uncomfortable. And yeah, I'm sticky from first service too. But you know what the problem is, church? We just sang about God of revival. Do you know why this country doesn't see the God of revival? Is because we have a lot of believers who won't take the top off. We have a lot of believers who say, God, shake me up. God, do this, do that. But, but God, let me stay in control. God, let me do what I wanna do. Can you imagine what worship would look like here on Sunday morning if we would just take the top off? How many times have we left and walked out? I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations in the lobby. Whew, I just thought I was gonna run today. Well, why didn't you? If it is the Spirit of God manifesting Himself in you, get up and run. 
You may get laughed at. I may be one of them. I'm just going to pray you don't fall. But can you understand? You could be holding the keys to the revival. But bottom line is, church, is when the hand of God shakes us. God, see, I'm sticky. When the hand of God shakes us. When the, <laughs> whoa, see. But here's what I want you to do. Let's just take the top off and let's just tell God to keep shaking us. Because at the end of the day, it's gotta be about His control. We're only gonna go to certain limits when we're in control. I wanna see God do the unexplainable. But how many in this room this morning, as soon as it gets a little uncomfortable, you tighten the top back on. You say, God, I'm not in control anymore. So God, me not being in control, I don't like that. Well, you may never find your spiritual gift in this. Just it is what it is. But my question is, is how many in this room this morning have you ran from the calling of God on your life? Maybe you surrendered, but you put it right back down. You put it right back in your pocket and said, God, nah, nah, I wanna be in control. You know, I never would have thought at 19 years old that this is where this would lead me. But here's what I want you to understand. The spirit living in me right here is no different than the spirit living in you. Maybe your giftedness, maybe what God has gifted you to do is to simply stand back there and hold the door and hug necks. You know what? It ain't any more important than what I'm doing right here. Remember, we're all part of one body. We've all got one mission in mind, and that is to see the lost saved. It's that simple. But my question is to you this morning, if you're here, have you surrendered? Have you took the top off? Yeah, and you know what? When you take the top off, it's liable to get messy. But guess what? Sometimes it's just messy enough that God's right in the middle of it. And so my question to you would be this morning is who needs to surrender? Who needs to be in this altar today and saying, God, this calling absolutely scares me to death. God, I don't understand it. I don't even know what it's gonna look like tomorrow, but guess what? That's where faith comes in. How many of you this morning, when we stand up and we sing a song of worship, how many of you can stand there and all of a sudden that spirit of God begins to move in you and all of a sudden you're sitting there with them hands in them pockets and you're going, Phew, I wanna lift them, but my kids are sitting right here. That may look a little strange. That may flip them out just a little bit. So all of a sudden we go, no, can't do it. Moms and dads, somebody's watching. Do you want them to worship the way you worship? Do you want your children to surrender the way you surrender? But this morning, what I want us to do is let's just get honest before God and say, God, my yes is on the table. And yeah, it's scary. So I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to be sensitive to the spirit of God and listen to what God's voice is calling you to do today. God, I pray right now, um, 
Lord, I thank you for your presence that's here. And so God, I pray that we would surrender to that this morning. God, the only way our country is gonna be healed, the only way that we're gonna be in unity is when the church takes the top off. Is when the church takes the top off and lets the spirit lead us where he wants us to go. And so God, as you have spoken this morning, I pray that your people would respond and ask all this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.